0: I I want to talk to you again today from 2 Timothy chapter 4, 1 through 8. And last week I told you we were going to camp on this for the next few weeks. And so I I encourage you to read it, reread it, just, uh, you know, take it, dissect it, you know, divide it, and look at it and and pull the richness from this passage of Scripture. Last week we talked about our our number one goal where, where Paul was uh, encouraging Timothy and he said in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who will judge the living and the dead and in view of his appearing in his kingdom I give you this charge don't you love that well he was saying man you, you this is he was calling all everything that he could think of you know he was saying this is the highest by which I can charge you God and Christ about his kingdom that's going to be here song we just sang didn't you love the words that his kingdom will be forever and we are going to reign with him not r-a-i-n but r-e-i-g-n reign with him that means that you are rulers i'm gonna let that sink in for a moment you are a ruler with christ You will reign with him. When the Bible says that we will be kings and priests. What are kings and priests? Is not a king a civil leader? Is not a priest a spiritual leader? We will rule and reign with Christ in a physical kingdom on this earth. Does that get you excited? You get to push people around. <laughs> it won't be that way. It won't be that way. Well, but Paul was speaking to Timothy, and he said, man, this is going to happen. I, I'm giving you this to, to remind you, man, that, that this is going to happen. in in light of the fact that this is going to be reality, that Christ's kingdom is going to be established, he said, preach the word. And gave us, gave us ways to do that and how to be prepared in season and out of season. And, and, and I mentioned last week that our primary purpose was to preach the word. To share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But then Paul goes on and explains why. And that's where I want to go today. He said in verse 3, he said, For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine." Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. So here's here's Paul, and he's saying, Timothy, you really need to focus on the word. You need to focus on the gospel. You need to understand what you believe, and you need to stand on what you believe, and be solid, and don't move set your mind like a flint preach the word of god with love with compassion with conviction but preach the word of god because there's going to come a time that men will not put up with sound doctrine now paul had seen it in fact if you read in first timothy and in the first part of second timothy you'll see that there were those that are already moving away from the doctrine of christ and they were Adding to or removing things from the gospel, and and Paul had seen that in his time. But Paul lived in a time where he thought that the Lord's return was imminent. And you say, well, how could he be so wrong? Every generation since Christ has believed that Christ's return is imminent. And I really believe that's the beauty of living for Christ, because when you have Him in here, and you're passionate about. The Lord, you want to be with the Lord, and you look around and you begin to see how the world is turned from Him. It gives you this longing and desire to be with the Lord. It's one of those things that are, is constantly pressing those that are that are Christians to to follow after the Lord, to long for His return. Paul Paul looked at Timothy and he says, "Man, these things are going to happen that people." Will want salvation, but they won't really want to follow Christ. I, I, Dr. Hughes, uh, Pastor Chuck, uh, said uh, last year when he was preaching for us that, and it was a great, great truth. He said, Many people, if I get this wrong, you can correct me afterward. If I get it right, just stand up and you know, praise the Lord. Um, <laughs> but that people follow Jesus from afar. Far enough to see him, but not close enough to hear him. See, and the the truth is, salvation is free. But being a disciple is costly. Salvation didn't cost you anything. But if you want to follow Jesus, it's going to cost you everything. Jesus said, you can't be my disciple unless you deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. Abraham had to leave everything he had. Joseph had to endure ridicule and shame. Paul had to go through beatings and persecutions and imprisonment and shipwrecks and everything else. And at the end of the day, Paul was the one that said, hey, I can endure all things through Christ that gives me the strength. But people throughout history have have had a desire to have holiness without letting the things go in their life that keep them from being holy. Are you with me? So, Paul, Paul is telling Timothy there's going to be times, and, and I believe if you look at history, and I, I love history. But if you look at church history, you're going to see throughout history that there have always been times where people wanted to have God but they didn't want the things of God. That they wanted the get out of hell free card but they didn't want to follow the one that had saved them and pardoned them and forgave them. And there is a a danger in that. The Bible, Paul goes on to say that they will gather together teachers that will tell them what they want to hear. The indictment is not against the teachers but against those that are gathering together. And they will turn their ears away. They will willingly walk away from what they know to be true. And, and they will bring those that will tell them what they want to hear. And Paul, Paul is telling Timothy, he says, Timothy, man, you've got to make sure that you don't fall in this trap. Do you realize that 25% or so of Christianity in America does not believe in hell? Or believe that it's just a temporary place? And that Jesus is not the only way to get to heaven? Is that sobering? Does that get you? I mean, I myself would think, man, if, if, if hell wasn't real, if hell was just just something that the Bible talks about, but it's really just an example, it's just an a, Something that's not really going to happen. There's part of me that said, man, I would love to believe that. I would really love to believe that. I would love to believe that everybody is going to heaven. I would absolutely love to believe that every single person is going to heaven. I would love that. But I can't find it in Scripture. What I do find in Scripture is that there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And that that you and I are called to preach the word of God in season and out of season. That we are to do it with love and sincerity and with a passion in our heart. That we want to see everybody walk through the pearly gates. That we want to see everybody receive the salvation that has been given to us. We want that. I would love to be able to say that, that hell is not a real place. But I can't. Because the scripture does not proclaim that. And that's one of the things where where Paul was talking to Timothy. He said, Timothy, there's going to be some great sounding stuff that's going to come along. And it's going to to make you feel good about yourself and and good about about God. and, and, And it's going to make God something that he's really not, and it's going to take the gospel and change it. And he said, Timothy, if you're going to preach the gospel, you have to understand, you have to stay true to the gospel. So then he goes on to say how to do that. And that's where I really want to get today, is how do you push back, how do you preach the gospel in response to to the doctrines that that are in our world today, that we're in the same world that where Paul was and throughout history. How do you stay true to the gospel of Christ? How do you stay true to it? And this is what Paul said. He gives four imperatives. Let me see if I can get there. He said, Paul, Paul gives four imperatives. And he said, but you, and you can put your name there, Keep your head in all situations. What he is saying is, have presence of mind. Keep your head in the game. Don't get rattled. Don't get confused. Don't allow uh, great swelling words to influence you. Keep your head in the game. Be aware of your surroundings. Be aware of what's going on around you. Do you realize that how we present the gospel may change. In fact, how we present the gospel over the generations has changed. I'm thankful for that. I don't want to stand on the podium way over here. I'm afraid of heights. But aren't you glad that that, that the the way the gospel has changed, It, it changes with culture, it changes with time. How we present it changes. And the songs we sing change. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, anybody up for a Gregorian chant? So, so I don't mind the changing of songs, and I don't mind the, the changing of venue, and I don't even mind the, the changing on how we present the gospel, but the one thing that cannot change, the one thing that, that is, is so, uh, solid and steadfast is the gospel itself, the basic gospel itself itself can never change. This is what Paul said to the church in Galatia in 1:8. He said, "Let let God's curse fall on anyone including myself who preaches any other message than the one that we told you about. Even if an angel comes down from heaven and preaches any other message, let him be forever cursed." Do you think Paul was serious? You know, and, and here's the thing, as Christians, in, in our world today, in our culture today, you know, and, and where in my own personality, I, I'm, I'm not really an apologist. I, I, I like to tell everything what, what I'm about. I don't like to say what I'm against because, because I, I'm for Jesus and, and I don't really have to focus on everything that I'm against. But we are in a culture that you are going to have times where you're going to have to stand up and defend the faith. You're going to have, you have those that you're going to come in contact with that are going to tell you that, well, I think that there's a lot of ways to get to heaven. And you're going to need to know the gospel and gospel well enough to be able to articulate to them why that is not true. Scripture tells us in in the book of Revelation that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony what Christ has done for us a testimony is just telling the truth of how what's happened to you what you've seen what you've experienced our responsibility is to know what we believe Paul told Timothy in, in the same in the same letter in 2 Timothy 2 15 he said do your best to present to God ...as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed... ...and who correctly handles the word of truth. There is, there, it, It's our responsibility to correctly handle the word of truth... That's why I always have the passage of Scripture up there and I always encourage you to, to read and to study because I don't want you to take my word for it. I'm going to up here and I'm going to preach what the word of God, but I want you to be able to look at it. I want you to be able to see it and I want you to be able to say, yes, I see it. I agree with it. Amen. Don't take anybody's word for it. Study to show yourself approved unto God. You're not studying to show yourself approved unto men. You're not studying to show yourself approved unto your wife or to your husband or to your children or to your grandchildren or to the person that's sitting next to you in the pew or to your pastor. You're studying to show yourself approved unto God. Because he gave us his word. Throughout time, he gave us his infallible word. And it is our only source for salvation. It is the only thing that He has given us. And you say, but we have the Holy Spirit. Yes, we have the Holy Spirit. And I'm a strong proponent of the Holy Spirit living and moving and acting in your life. But it's, it's our faith and credence. It's, it's found in the Word of God. There's a lot of other books, and I love to read other books. But the one book that we have that's solid and, found, and it's our foundation is the Word of God. It's our responsibility to know the Word of God. Can I encourage you? I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to double-dog dare you. (laughs) Oh, I know. Don't believe everything you were taught. Now I'm going to preface that. We're going to flesh it out a little bit. My mom, God rest her soul, told us that cleanliness was next to godliness. And I believed it until I read the Bible. And I saw that the apostles didn't even wash their hands before they ate. And I felt so bad because all of those times I was a kid that I shouldn't have washed at all. If I would have known the Word of God, just because we've been taught something doesn't mean that it's correct. doesn't mean it's incorrect either. Study the Word of God. Get into a Bible study with people. Get into into a community group. Study the Word of God. Open it up and see what it says for yourself. I loved what, what one of my professors told me when, when I was going through Greek, and, 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 and he, he said, listen, he said, Jess, until you understand it yourself, you're always going to be subject to somebody else's interpretation. Until you study it yourself and know it yourself, you'll always be subject to somebody else's interpretation. Open up the Word of God and, and dig deep into the Word of God. And you say, well, well, Are there are there things that I that I could believe that may not be right but but will keep me that I'll still go to heaven? Yeah, absolutely. I know a lot of people that that have a little different doctrine or belief that I do. I still believe they're Christians. Okay? If you've known me well enough to know that uh, that I personally am not a cessationist. I do not I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. I believe you can find them in the Word of God. I believe you can find them in the presence of this congregation. So I don't believe that they ended with the apostles. I believe that God still heals. I believe that God still blesses. I still believe in the the fruit of the Spirit. I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. I believe it's all there. But I have a lot of friends that don't. And I believe that they're Christians. And I believe that they're going to go to heaven. But I also believe that they're missing out on some amazing things that God has for them, if they would just look at the word. Now that's me, and I, I heard it got a holy hush came in here. That was my own pers- that's my own, my own uh, personal theology. If you want to disagree, it's fine. You can be wrong. I don't care. Um, But Paul said, Paul told him, he said, listen, keep your head in all situations. Know the Word of God. Make sure you know the Word of God. Study it. endure." Then he goes on to say, endure hardship. Endure hardship. I hate enduring hardship. I wanted to quit so many times yesterday. Because I knew I was going to hurt the next day. But my ego would not allow me to do that. Stand, what, what Paul was saying is, look, endure hardship because you're going to have to stand against the backlash of those that, that have turned from the gospel or those that disagree with the gospel, that those that don't agree with what, what I have taught and what you, what you believe. You are going to have to stand and you're going to have to stand with love and with devotion to God and to man. Because we don't fight people. We, uh, we fight We oppose that which opposes Christ. Which we never fight against people. Because people is why Christ came. It's why we have the gospel. Paul said that there even are those that are opposed themselves. See, it's no longer popular today in Christianity to speak of sacrifice. About personal sacrifice. But if you want that close, intimate relationship with God, it's going to cost you. Uh, I would encourage you to read the book by Dietrich Bonhoeffer on costly grace. Because he talks about the difference between costly grace and cheap grace. Cheap grace is simply this. that Oh, I believe that Christ died for me and I asked him to forgive me of my sins. And I'm not changing a thing in my life. I'm just going to keep on going and the grace of God is going to take care of it. Apostley grace is when the believer realizes how significant and how important it is and how much of a sacrifice Christ gave not just dying on a cross but leaving heaven and becoming humanity and dying on a cross ridiculed and shamed by the ones he created himself. And when you realize how great of a cost grace really is it will challenge you and motivate you to change to say God create in me a right heart and renew a right spirit in me I don't want to do those things that the carnal nature wants but I want to follow you it's our view on grace there is you're going to face that challenge in our culture today of cheap grace. I wasn't going to speak on this, but I'm going to preach on it anyway. There, there are many around you that, will, that, that are just living for God on, Woo! I can do whatever I want. And, you know, and, they're, and they're belittling and demeaning and, and demoting the grace of God. They're making it as something that I just receive and I do what I want. But the Bible is very clear when you understand what grace costs. That's why the scripture says, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. There's something in us when we understand the value of the grace of God. You will not want to run with those in excess as you used to, but they're going to wonder what's happened in your life. Does it mean that you're going to be perfect? Absolutely not. I have a halo that I prop up on my horns. If there's a desire, a passion in here that says, Lord, I want to be like you. And even when I don't have that desire. Well, I love it when I get off the notes because I don't even know where I'm going. Uh, But we're going to have fun getting there. Even even when when you have those moments in your life that, that you're not... Let me put it this way. When I have those moments in my life when I don't want to be obedient to the Lord, when I don't want to be obedient to the Spirit, when I want to follow my carnal nature, when I don't want to bless the person that just cut me off, those moments, that's when I need to realize that I can still talk to the Lord and say, Lord, you see my heart. And you see that I'm not wanting to do that. But I'm going to deny that. I'm going to crucify that. And I'm going to follow you. Because I understand the cost of grace. Endure the hardship. Endure the hardship. Understand the cost of grace. And you'll be able to withstand those that oppose the gospel. Because you'll be able to do it with love with compassion, and with understanding. He goes on to say, he said, not only keep your head in all situations, but endure hardship. Then he also says, do the work of an evangelist. Now, Timothy was an evangelist of sorts. He was a pastor. But but Paul is not talking about the gift of evangelism. He's talking about sharing the gospel. He's saying, do the work of an evangelist. Proclaim the word. Because this is one of the greatest secrets in the Christian life. This is why, this is the one area outside of prayer that the adversary will fight you on more than anything else. That is sharing the gospel, being an evangelist, telling the good news. And it's twofold. Number one, he knows he doesn't have you, but he doesn't want you influencing others. But the other is this there's a, a little hidden secret. sharing the gospel when you share the gospel in love when you share it with compassion with you when you share it with the love of Christ in your heart it transforms you it helps you the strongest I am as a Christian is when I am sharing the love of God with somebody else Because it reminds me of where I was and where I am and who I am and where I'm going. And it transforms me. It gives me spiritual strength on the inside to resist the adversary in my life. When you share the gospel, something amazing transpires in you. You get this boldness. And it's like I told you last week in Acts 4, where where Peter and John came back and they said, man, they don't want us to preach in the name of the Lord. And they they didn't start praying for for God to secure them or bless them. They said, Lord, give us boldness that we can share your word." Something happens in us when we step out of our comfort zone. And begin to, to share the love of God. You can say well I don't know the four laws. And, 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 and I don't know Roman road. Those are just ways that you can share. Just tell them what Jesus has done for you. You know I, I was lost. You know I was in, in a situation like that. And Jesus saved me. I used to be in despair, but Jesus brought me out. I used to didn't know what was going on in my life, but I see I see what life really is now because Jesus has opened my eyes. Just share what the Lord has done with you. Be an evangelist. You will be transformed. The scripture tells, tells us in Revelation twenty-two seventeen. it says, "...the Spirit and the Bride." The Spirit is the Holy Spirit. How do I know that? It's a capital S. The Spirit. That one just went... <laughs> I'm going to move on. The Spirit and the Bride. Who's the Bride? We are the Bride. The Holy Spirit and us. This is what our, this is what our banner is. This is what our cry is. The Spirit and the bride say, Come, come. And let him who hears say, Come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. Do you realize that that's what our call is? But you know it's not just, it didn't say just the bride. and It didn't say just the Spirit. It said the Spirit and the bride united together when the Holy Spirit is moving in our life. We in unison can say, come. Come and taste this water which, which will bring eternal life. As John, uh, Jesus said in John 7, I will give you water now out of the abundance of your soul will spring wells of living water. Man, it's, it's, it's just something when you connect when you connect with the Holy Spirit and you begin to share the Word of God, and you say, well, how do you do that? How do you do that? Well, it's just simple. You develop that relationship with Him. So when you're standing in the the grocery store line, then you feel prompted to talk with the person next to you. You do it because you don't know where that conversation is going to go. Or you see the person without a jacket and you look at yours and say, I think they need a jacket. So you take it off and give it to them. See, it's not always just sharing the word of God. It could be that your part is preparing their heart for someone to share the love of God. Because the love of God can be displayed in many, many ways. But be prepared. And here's the amazing thing. When when we remove ourselves from, from being inhibited to share the gospel, there's something about sharing it that removes the fear. And confirms in us, this is what we really believe. So Paul, Paul gives these four he said, imperatives. Keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. And he finally gets to the point he says discharge all the duties of your ministry. Your ministry. Remember what the scripture says. That Christ sets us in the body of Christ. He sets us. You have a role to play. We heard earlier that Bruce is working with the Jesus film. He has a role to play. You have a role to play. Paul did not say, Timothy, do the duties of my ministry. He said, do the duties of your ministry. Sir, influence your oikos, your house. your your circle of influence, those that are around you, those that you come in contact with. Minister to your circle of influence. Do the duties of your ministry. What Christ has asked you to do, then do it with everything in you. Serve as unto the Lord and not unto men. Know your spiritual gifts and how to use them. Know what Christ has called you to do. Believe that you can accomplish it through Christ because Christ always calls us to things that we cannot do on our own that always requires us to depend on the Holy Spirit but we can have confidence that if Christ has called us He has already enabled us and there's nothing that He has called us to do that will not be accomplished if we trust in Him. He said, Timothy... Discharge the duties of your ministry. Minister to those inside the congregation. Minister to those outside the congregation. Do you know what Christ has called you to do? And you say, Well, I don't know if I have a calling. Yes, you do. I I, I spoke a a series several years ago, and you're going to love the title. It was this Why Aren't You Dead Yet? And I wasn't looking at him like, hey, why aren't you dead yet? The whole premise is, you're not dead because when God's finished with you, you'll go home to be with the Lord. But while you're here, and while you're breathing, you have a work to do. You have a place in the ministry. I'm going to ask our praise team to come back. And as they come back, I'm going to ask you to stand with me if you would. I had this week one of my very best friends and one of my mentors one of my heroes in the faith passed on at 92 and uh, I want to share a little bit about Reverend Roy Thomas he grew up his pastor was A.W. Tozer grew up in Tozer's church became a missionary back in the 50's went to the Philippines was in the Philippines he was telling me when when they were, when they were making their way to the, to the area that they were going they were on this little ship and a giant wave hit them and the boat turned like this and, and they were going to fall off so he shoved his wife which was holding their little baby against a, a, a post in one of the one of the beams, and, and it kept her, but he f- fell off the ship, and, and the ship was like this, and he was hanging onto a rail with one hand hanging over the water. And he said, Then the ship went back up, and he crawled back on the ship, and they went on. Didn't detour him, didn't change him. He went to a place that was, was heavily Muslim and, and uh, began to preach the Word of God, and, and, and the Catholic Church at the time took offense to what he was preaching and sent some people to, to take his life. But because he had shared the gospel with the, with the Muslim group around them, that the chief of the Muslim tribe came by and they beat up those that were trying to get him and said, if you ever touch him or his wife, we will kill you. Think about that. I mean, this is an amazing man that that translated the book of John, the Gospel of John, into various languages in the Philippine Islands so he could share the Word of God. Saw his wife die and the Lord raise her up. And an amazing man had a great ministry, and then as he started getting older, and and he couldn't uh, sing any longer and couldn't preach any longer... And was almost blind every birthday. Every single birthday. And I have recordings of when it comes to my birthday. He would send me a recording singing happy birthday. An amazing man of God. Was in the hospital last week. And his daughter told me. He said, Pastor, you're going to love this. He said when, she said, when Daddy was in the hospital, was barely drinking anything, wasn't eating anything. He was witnessing to the nurses. To the very end of his life, the only thing he did was follow Christ. Served him. And I looked at his life, and, and here's this man in his 90s and didn't even have his own house, didn't have his own car. I think he wore the same sweater for 27 years. <laughs> but a hero of the faith, a great man of God, because he kept his head in all situations. He endured the hardship. He did the work of an evangelist and he discharged the duties of his ministry. And now, as Paul said, and now there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness which no one can take away. Reverend Roy Thomas has received his. But if he was here today, I know what he would tell me. I know what he would tell you. He would say, Keep the faith. Do what the Lord asks you to do. Do it with love and with grace. Because it's not about us, it's about Him. Can I encourage you today? Keep your head. Be aware of what's going on around you. Know what the gospel is. Know know what the scripture is. And if you're faced with opposition, endure it. Endure it with love. Endure it with grace. Endure it with mercy. But let's follow him. Do the work of an evangelist. But let's let's know what the Lord has asked us to do. And let's do it with everything in us, can't we? I will trust uh, trust me. I promise you. When you step out on faith and do what the Lord is asking you to do. I'm not going to promise you that you will not have opposition or hardship. But when you find yourself in the center of the will of God, there is no greater peace. There's no greater joy than knowing that you're doing exactly what your heavenly Father is asking you to do.